chapter 10, verses 24 to 33. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the prince of two spar- or the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. You guys may be seated. Uh, We have been working through the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus. A parable is a short story that Jesus gave to convey an eternal truth. I'm so glad he did things like that because I'm a slow learner. I need stories. Oh, kiddo. Did you get one of those treasure things? Those things are awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so we've been looking through the different parables. I got to be honest. We're starting to run out of parables. And so we're starting to do ones I I don't really want to do. And Jesus said the word hell in this one. Kind of wanted to skip over that. But I believe the Holy Spirit says, nah, today's the day we're going to talk about it. See, this is from Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is giving a pre-game speech. Jesus had just picked his 12. If you read the first part of Matthew chapter 10, he had just named his 12. And this is his first talk to them as 12. This is his pre-game speech. Now, I have played football since the third grade. I played football from third grade through my junior year in college, and that's maybe what's wrong with me. Um, But I had been hit a few too many times. Um, But I tried to think of some of the pre-game speeches from some of my coaches that were really memorable. And what I came up with was one, actually, that was crazy. It wasn't so much the, the, the coach's speech. It was where I found myself. My high school was a large high school, and our football program was an incredible football program, and it was an honor to be part of that football program. Well, we had a freshman team, a JV team, and a varsity team, and when it came time for homecoming and the freshmen, we actually had our own locker room. We didn't even do, we didn't practice with any of the JV or the varsity. We had a different locker room than JV and varsity, so man, JV and varsity was like, wow, but there was one one night where everyone suited up, and that was homecoming. Now, a freshman never played in that game. I mean, I, the dream was that you would stand there on, on the sideline for the entire game and coach would call your number, but that has never happened in the history of Everness. But you're still just so excited to be there. And one of the pregame rituals of, of, of my high school that I absolutely loved is we, we were the Cougars, and we went into a cave in the school. There was this part in the school where there was no windows. There was only one door. And, and as a freshman, we had never been in there. 
You weren't allowed in there. We didn't have our pregame for freshman games on Monday. We weren't allowed to go in there. It was only for Friday night games. And here I was, first time as a freshman, and I was making my way into the cave. And I didn't know what to expect. So all of us freshmen were up against the wall while all these upperclassmen were getting into it, slamming their fists into other guys' helmets, shoulder pads. There was guys with helmets on, head button. There was one guy without a helmet, head button. I was like, ah, you know, you know, they were going at it. And we were just as freshmen, we're just trying our best to stay out of the way, you know. And then, and then it came. Then the coach came in, and everyone took a knee and, whoo, and went from really really loud to really quiet. And the coach began to speak about the game plan, about what we were going to do. And then the coach left. And the captain, who happened to be my cousin, he was a junior, he was my cousin, and he stood up, right? Now we're all on a knee. And he turns the, he goes, before he turns the light off, he goes, Marcus. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you saying my name? Me? I'm in the back. He goes, Marcus, lead us in the Lord's Prayer. What? you got to warn somebody before this. There's 120 smelly men ready to take my head off, and I'm supposed to remember the Lord's Prayer? This dude just head-buddied me without a helmet on. He's bleeding right now. No, he hit the lights, and it is pitch black in there. And 120 men, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I'm like, Lord, where are you doing? This is incredible. You know, I'll never forget that pregame. I'll never forget that pregame, and that, which is incredible. But this here is Jesus' pregame. One of the most famous pregame speeches of all time came from New York, Lake Placid, 1980, the miracle on ice. Yeah, baby. Where Coach Brooks walks into a room of a bunch of college-age hockey players. And what I love about this analogy is these hockey players were in a time where if you were a professional hockey player, you were not allowed to play in the Olympics. And so the United States Olympic team had zero professional hockey players. These were a bunch of kids from colleges and the streets of New England and Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you watch that movie, this kid's from Boston, that kid's from Rhode Island, that from Connecticut, this is kid's from Minnesota, that kid's from Wisconsin, that kid's from Wisconsin, that kid's from Minnesota. And they're just kids. And they're going up against the Soviet Union who has won the gold. I mean, they're the favorites by far. These boys had no right being in the gold medal game. No right. And Coach Brooks walks into the locker room. And they're all just sitting there quiet. And he said, gentlemen, great moments are born from great opportunities. And that's what you got tonight. If we played them ten times, we'd lose nine, but not tonight. And it's his famous speech. What I love about this analogy is those kids were just ragamuffins. And the 12 that Jesus were talking to, guess what? They weren't priests. They weren't pastors. They weren't doctorates in biblical study. They were people that were working the trade of the area. They were fishermen. If Jesus was giving this speech in Lincoln, New Hampshire, this group of people would not be me. They weren't pastors. They weren't ministers. You know what they'd be here in Lincoln? They'd be lift operators, snowmakers, groomers, Waitresses, bartenders, cleaning people. That's who they'd be. When you read scripture, you have to get this. 
The pastors of the time, the priests of the time, they weren't in this locker room. It was a rough, ragtag group of fishermen with leathered hands, weathered faces. Jesus' pregame speech is incredible. And this thing that you have in your bulletin is taken right out of the middle of it. And Jesus in this middle piece says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Says it three times. Says it three times. And here's what he says for each of those. The first one, he gives arguments of why you should not fear. His first argument, right, to Jesus, to, the, to, his, to his disciples. Don't fear. They called me names. I'm the son of the most high God. I am perfect. I am the perfect human. They called me names. How much more are they going to call you names? Right? See, Jesus cast out demons. Jesus healed. Jesus called the dead to life. And the pastors and the priests at this time were freaking out. And so what they did is they called him the worst name possible. He said, he's casting out demons because he is a demon. Right? So they called him Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, if they call me the prince of demons, what do you think they're going to call you? And so he's saying, don't fear. Or actually what he should be saying is, don't be surprised. See, have you ever noticed an insult doesn't hurt as much when you know it's coming? When you're not surprised by it? These are Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 5. He said, count it actually blessed. You're blessed when people persecute you, insult you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Jesus says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And then he goes on, he says, because whatever is said in the darkness will be brought to the light. Whatever is covered now, I will reveal. And isn't that just it with, a, with, with an insult or somebody who is slandering you? What's your biggest fear? That others will believe them. That your reputation will go down. That's the fear, right? That, that's my fear. That is my fear. I was talking to my good friend from Cleveland here, and I used to work at a Christian camp. Right, And there came that registration day where all these wide-eyed parents were dropping off their, Christian ca- their kid at Christian camp for the first time. Right, So their kids would go off and see the nurse and see the program people and all that, and we'd have a meeting with the parents. And I love my boss. He, he had a great line. He'd say, okay, parents. We'd have like these 50, 60 parents, and they're all wide-eyed. It's the first time they're dropping little Johnny off for a week, and mom's over there crying. Dad's like fist pumping. You know? And, um, you know, and, he, and our, 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 bo- our boss would say this. He goes, all right, we're going to make a deal with you guys. We will believe half of what your kids say about you if you believe half of what they say about us when they get back. And Jesus is saying here that they made fun of me, they'll make fun of you. And he said, and listen, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I'll reveal all that's truth. You just stay the course. You just stay the course. You don't worry about it. They made fun of me, they'll make fun of you. Then he goes right into the next one. This next one's a doozy. I actually, honestly, want to just skip over this. I don't want to preach on this one, but it's a doozy. Jesus in his pregame says, hey, hey, and don't be afraid. Don't be, and and what's interesting is I just told you that Jesus was saying one of the things that makes us fearful of slanderers is that other will believe them, right? And that we'll lose our reputation. 
So it's the fear of men that grip our hearts, right? I'm afraid of man. I'm afraid of what they can do to me. And Jesus said, don't be afraid of man. <laughs> what, what, what can man do to you? They can only kill your body. Can't kill your soul. I mean, you hear what Jesus is saying? He goes, don't be afraid. What are they going to do? Just kill you? Uh, Jesus, that freaks me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. feel like dying might hurt. Killing might feel a little painful, you know? Jesus is like, ah, don't worry about that. They can only kill you. Be afraid of God. Be afraid of God. He can kill both your body and your soul in hell. Now, hell's a freaky word. I don't like that word, right? I don't even like it when ACDC says it. I don't like that word, right? But here's Jesus saying it. Folks, hell is not a place. Hell is a position. And the position is away from God. So you can experience hell on earth when you distance yourself from God. Hell is not a place. Hell is a position. And what Jesus is saying is, are you crazy? Because he's following up his first argument, and the argument is, hey, I'll reveal everything someday. Don't you worry about what your neighbor says about you or what people say about you on social media. Don't you worry. I'll reveal everything. You think you need to be afraid of them? They can only kill you. You ought to be afraid of God. Man, I've done some bedside things, right? I've done some, I, I have been with some folks as a minister now for seven years. I've been by people as they die. You know who dies gracefully? The folks who fear God. Whew. When someone really fears God, I'm moved by them at their bedside. I'm like, wow, right? I love watching older women their faith in God, especially when they're on their deathbed. It's almost like they're running through a yard to slam into their father's arms. It's almost like they can't leave quick enough. You know? That's incredible. I love it. But this is how good Jesus is, because I don't know about you, but when I hear, don't fear a man, they can only kill you. Feel God. He can kill your body and your soul. That freaks me out. I'm like, uh, I don't like that. That's a little much for me. But only Jesus would do this. I love it. He doesn't just leave us there. Because I don't know about you or me, I get kind of, like, I don't like that. And I'm, i got to apologize. I, I grew up Baptist. A lot of times Baptists just leave it there. Fear God. He'll put you in hell. And then they walk away. That's all they offer you. You're like, whoa, easy now, pal. What Jesus does, he doesn't leave us there. He goes on with this beautiful language. And he says, hey, you see that sparrow over there? How much is that sparrow worth? How many sparrows, how many songbirds do you think are between here and the Pemajuasset wilderness? I don't know, billions? Jesus said, how much are they worth? One cent. And there's not one of those bird that falls to the ground apart from your father. See, Jesus used the word father, Abba's will. All of a sudden, he goes from this harsh God wrath language to father. Yes, God is just, and God has wrath. That's why Jesus died on the cross. But then our God is a father who doesn't let one sparrow fall to the ground without his will. And he said, how much more are you worth? You're worth more than a whole flock of sparrows. You're worth more than all the sparrows between here and Mount Washington. You're worth more. And don't you know that every hair 
on your head is numbered. Some that's easier than others. Um, don't you know that every hair on your head is numbered? In other words, Jesus is saying, don't you know God knows you minutely? More than you know yourself? He's your father. This actually, I don't think Jesus should use the word father here. I think Jesus should say, mother. Who knows you better? Your father or your mother? Let's just be honest. Your mother. Right? Your mother. This is where I feel we see the heart of God in mothers, man. Mothers know everything about you. So this is Jesus' pregame speech, and he's saying, boys, listen to me. Right? Because as a kid, I'm nervous, and before a game, those guys are bigger. They're stronger. They're faster. Ah! Jesus is saying, hey, listen to me. Don't you know who our father is? Don't you know who your dad is? He's the biggest and baddest man. He's the most powerful. Let's get out there and get him. Don't be afraid of what they're going to say to you. Don't be afraid of what they can do to you. Don't be afraid. And don't be afraid. God knows you intimately. I would encourage you, read Matthew chapter 10. It hits hard, but it hits home. It is good. It is Jesus' pre-game speech. And it's awesome. And it's for you. Anyone who's called on Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, you are a disciple. And Jesus is speaking to you in Matthew chapter 10. And it's all about going and doing our Father's will. You know what business our dad's in? He's in the business of blessing. And to do dad's business, you bless. You bless others. You know, we can talk about a pregame speech, but what about a postgame speech? Postgame speeches are awesome too. There's one in my life I will never forget. I went to Mount Blue High School from Farmington, Maine, one of our biggest rivals, and I can't really say they're a rival because they absolutely destroyed us most of the time when we played them, was Bangor High School. I mean, we would come in on this little country bus that was put together by shoe leather and duct tape and bubble gum, right? Bangor High School would come in two coach buses with TVs in it. Yeah, right? Right? They were that kind of team where we would be out on the field doing our stretches, right? And then what they would do to intimidate us is line the entire outside of the field with their whole team and do stretches around us. Because we'd stand over there, our varsity team, you know, without the JV and without the, without the freshmen, you know, it was probably like 35, 40 kids. They had double numbers over there. They had a guy with double zero. They had two number 88s. It's like, wait, there's two, there's two number 88s over there. Oh, that kid, he'll never play. That other kid's really playing. They had to, like, double up their numbers. They had so many kids, right? Well... I shattered my left hand in Bangor opening game of our, my senior year. We beat them 28-7 to that night in their house. Yeah, bring it. It was awesome. But I had six screws and two plates put in, and that was kind of the end of my season. 
So it was, <laughs> it was. So we went on to not make the playoffs that year. Guess who did make the playoffs that year? Bangor High School. Guess who won our regional championship and went on to play in the States and win the States that year? Bangor High School. I went to the Pine Tree Conference Championship, them versus Oxford Hills. It was up in Bangor. There I was. I was a senior, and I was in my Mount Blue uniform, and I was standing watching the game because I was friends with a lot of boys out there. We'd been playing against each other for five years, and I was out there watching. Bangor wins, and Bangor's running by, right? They're running by with all their players. And Coach Gabby Price was one of the best high school football coaches in Maine, and now he's one of the best college coaches in Maine. Coach is Husson up in Maine, up in Bangor still. He's running by, and he goes, Corey, come with me. That's my last name. Yeah, me. Me? Yeah, come with me. Here's Bangor High School, the enemy. And I go, okay. And with my Mount Blue High School jersey on, I follow Coach Price into the Bangor locker room. Into the Bangor locker room. What am I doing? They're going to kill me. First they're going to rip my jersey, then they're going to give me a swirly, and they're going to throw me out. If you don't know what a swirly is, Google it and be ready. Kids, don't Google that. And I'm thinking, what is going on? I'm just standing there, and he goes, boys, that was a great game tonight. But there's a young man in here that got cut short, if it wasn't for his cut short, he might be in here tonight too. So I want to give this kid some respect. Give this kid some loving. Give it up for Marcus Corey. And the Bangor Rams gave me a hand and a bunch of high fives. And then I left the locker room. I'll never forget that. That's off a movie. And here's the thing. Heaven, heaven, the post-game speech, we've read the story. We know who wins. Our coach says, welcome, good and faithful servant. Welcome to your eternal rest. And I love watching my parents and my grandparents' generation who understand those words. It's fun being around people with faith like that. That no coach, that no dad will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to your eternal rest. So this is Jesus' pregame speech. And we're fortunate enough that Jesus came to earth and the Holy Spirit spoke to men and they wrote down God's postgame speech. Oh, aren't we blessed? Lord, you don't have to close your eyes when you pray at this church, by the way. Lord, we, we, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that when you were speaking in Matthew chapter 10 to the 12, you weren't speaking to the 12. You were speaking to anyone that would put their faith, hope, and trust in you and follow you out of the locker room and into the world and love our neighbor as ourself and love our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. You were talking to anyone, God, that would put faith in your son. And Lord, you didn't leave us that way. You gave us the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask for that today. For anyone that's put their faith, hope, and love in Jesus, Lord, we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit to go into the world, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're with us always, God. And if anyone in this church service, God, has not put their faith in a God that is real and a Jesus is who is his Son, I ask that you would give them the strength today to reach out and put full faith in you, confessing their sins and coming to life and coming to know you. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that they're true today. Thank you for sports. 
and that you are not a God that is in a box, that we can learn through you for creation, we can learn through you through sports. I'm so thankful that you're like that, God. It's your name we pray. Amen.